Hey, yo, what's good, man? It's your host, Cleve. Welcome to the Third Coast Podcast with my man. Joe, what it do, Gators? What it do, man? It's your host, Cleve. I'm doing it's like a detailed list of all the characters or all the animals you know what I'm saying yeah and so whenever you get into it so like take a picture of one of the animals like the horse right but then what kind of horse is it how old is the horse what's the horse's name you know what I'm saying what color is the horse and so it's like the You're horse yeah the horse ends up well it's already got the characteristics you just document them. It's like I'm not just coming up with it like it's a fairy tale that I'm making. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if I was actually making the characters out of nowhere, I would be building the, the characteristics, right? Right. But they're already built. Now, what I'm doing is just documenting them and putting them in a way that you can understand or anybody can understand. Paint a vivid picture for us. Yeah, and so then I'll have a way that we can— read it like literary work, but then I'll have the scientific stuff on the horse, like a page where it'll show the history of that type of horse. You know what I'm saying? And where this horse came from and like uh, the detailed specific areas that you might find this creature or whatever like that. Like Audubon's bird book. Like if you go to look up a bird in Audubon's book, it'll tell you like this bird comes from this region and it's kin to these type of species of birds. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I'll stop right there and wait until we start like recording and stuff. Oh, we, we're hot. Oh, well, shit. I was just talking about the book, man. I get passionate about it and t- because it's so much, and you can go into detail about so many different things on it that it becomes like a huge rabbit hole to even try to explain. And so... Originally, I had this idea on it like four years ago. Like this, this book's already been like four years in the in the works for me, because when I started it, it felt like it was going to be almost like a slap in the face to what I was trying to do to just put it out. Once I realized the level of depth that I was dealing with, like if I really wanted to do it, like are you just playing around want to do it or are you really trying to do it? And so I was like, man, I'm really trying to do this because I have an English degree. I live in the woods with these animals. It's like nobody else can tell the stories for them. Like they can't tell the stories. And it's like, so if I don't tell the stories, it's basically like these animals weren't there. And that happens to people's animals all across the, the, the world, you know? Like, people have animals that they only remember, you know what I'm saying? Or they might have a picture of this animal, or, like, it'd be an animal from their childhood. Like, I'm pretty sure all y'all had, like, an animal that y'all spent time with or grew up with or whatever, you know what I'm saying, throughout your life, and it's like that animal might be gone, right? Right. Well, I wanted to capture the essence of these animals and what they teach us and show that they're not just animals, but they're also spirits on this earth that we can learn from, but we're, like, co-existing with. It's not so much as they're here for food for us. And so I think that that's where we've kind of, like, gotten astray as a society or whatever is looking at 
all these animals like that they're just produce when they're actually living creatures. Right. You know, and you don't see that because you don't live with them. Like a lot, majority of people don't live in the woods with animals. That don't happen, you know. Majority of people live around people in areas where they have to work or whatever like that. But since I've been retired, right, I can do, I just do whatever I want to do. Like I lost concept of time sometimes. I don't even have concept. Like some days I don't even know what day it is. And it's like because you start doing something on the farm in the woods when you have nothing to do except try to better your situation, better everything around you. You know what I'm saying? So you want to take in, and you, but then you end up seeing stuff you got to do for a certain animal that might need help. And then it's like after you do it, I want to capture that moment. Right. And so then that's whenever I will go back that night when the sun goes down and then I'll get my journal out and then I'll draw because I have a I have a degree in writing and researching like authors and how they went about their literary works. Right. And so I start dissecting my favorite authors or my favorite artists and not just in writing, but maybe like movie producing or sports athletes that tell a story with how they are poetry in motion. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you have poets that write, you have poets that create visual, and you have speakers, you know what I'm saying? And so I want to try to capture these moments of these animals to try to get this message across. And so it kind of became like this passion work, this like life work of mine that I'm doing. And I wanted to make sure to take the time to put everything into it that I could and not skip anything or like leave an animal out. Because if I, whenever I have the whole cast of characters set and then I go to tell a story, like after you've already gone through the section of the book where you've been introduced to all the characters, then when I tell the story, you don't have to know, you don't have to guess who Woody or who Waldo the woodpecker is. You know what I'm saying? Whenever, because you've already read through the, the part where you were introduced to the woodpecker, which I think is an ivory bill woodpecker. I, I haven't got a picture of him, but they're supposed to be extinct. And if he's not, like he looks an awful lot like one. And me and Joe was talking about that earlier. Not to get into Waldo, but I'm just saying that Waldo is what I call him because, you know, Waldo is the red and black or the red and white shirt. And yeah, the red and white shirt where you got to find them in the pictures. Yeah. And so you don't ever know where Waldo is in the sky, but you hear him. You hear him like when he starts hitting on the wood or he makes this certain call. It's like... And it's like, that's I know that that's Waldo. And sometimes I think like, man, is that Waldo making that noise because he sees me like walk out? Is he making that noise for me? You know, I, I don't know. You don't ever know. But I could tell the story like he is on a page. You know what I'm saying? Like I could write a story or create a story about Waldo talking to me as he's flying through the air. Or I could write a poem about it, about Waldo. And all I'm doing is describing what he's doing. But I'm giving it and putting it into like where I'm seeing through my eyes because I know that people so busy in their lives, they don't get to experience this. They don't get to go be out in the woods and just take the time to follow a woodpecker around, listening to it and talking to a woodpecker in the field, in the trees. You know what I'm saying? People ain't got time for that. And so I want 
to not only talk to people about it, but then once I'm dead and once I'm gone, then this book will still be here like a Charlotte's Web type of book or whatever that people can refer to and they can go to and be like, man, this guy got to know animals so well and was so in tune with animals because he spent time with them and spent time in nature. Hopefully I like click or jog something in people and back to our primal like instincts of, of living with wild animals and not just living with people and acting like we ain't on the same earth that cavemen and people that was killing each other for food. We ain't on the same earth. It's the same earth. Like we just dress up different. Now, yeah, it's just a, a new presentation. Yeah. yeah, it's a new presentation. So yeah. my book, like I, I'm hoping that I can put everything into it. And what I've been doing is I make sure I take the time to sit and write. I got to sit and write. And it's like uh, the artistic process only goes so far, man, on the creative side. And I'm pretty sure y'all know that because, you know, you put out so many podcasts, which I want to say congratulations on the 200th episode. You know what I'm saying? Down there. That was pretty cool. I, did, I wasn't able to come to D-Max, but I saw a bunch of pictures from everybody. Yeah, it was definitely a good time. You know, what's cool, though, about what you're doing is you're actually archiving nature in central Louisiana where a lot of people might look over it, you know, because it is a very, you know, make plywood, go to work, go home. And but we do have a lot of significant, unique nature in our state and especially around here that people might overlook, you know, they're more tune to going like down south to like Baton Rouge or New Orleans because they're bigger cities. But with like I was saying about that woodpecker, nature always finds a way to come back. It's like the Tasmanian devil recently. They thought it was extinct, but they found like, I think two couples in Siberia, Tundra or some shit. I might be mistaken, but it could possibly be that. And you could have like a reservoir out there, get some, you know, tax dollars, some funding, and it could be a... I don't want to get possible. like, uh, I don't want to get too much like other people tied into what I'm finding. And it's like, the more that I spend time with it, the more I realize that I have to protect it. And it's like, in protecting it, I have to be careful of like how much exposure I bring to it. And so it's like, I know what I have is special because I make it special and because I put the love into it and I, I'm there with them. Because if I wasn't there and somebody else was doing it, you know, I don't I don't know, you know, what would happen or if this would even somebody would even have the time to take it. Because I like my brothers also have a, a interest in the land, but they don't have time to sit down and write a book about the animals that's there because they have kids to take care of. It's like for I just feel like everything's lined up for me to do it. But like you were saying, the document in the central Louisiana aspect of it. Right. Like Charlie's grandpa and then with the hardwood, with the whole Fed Devoid stuff, the property was a mill. Yeah. Right. Originally, like, yeah. Yeah. Like what you were talking about. So my grandpa and his grandpa used to work together and like they'll tell stories to me, like Bill and some of the um, ancestor, the, and like the, the older, older people, older people in <laughs> yeah. the family will tell me stories like about my grandpa, like being over there and working this and that and how much I remind them of my grandpa and stuff. Right. And but they have a significant part with the trees. 
And it's like with the trees and the animals and the birds all play a part like with each other. You know what I'm saying? Because you with the pine trees and the oak trees, you know what I'm saying? It's like you start looking in the depth at each of these things when you're telling the story. It's not just the animals, right? Because you realize that all the stuff is alive. You, you realize the plants are alive, the trees are alive, like all this is alive. So I'm talking about like a bird or a bee in one chapter, but then I'm like, okay, I have to list how many oaks I have here. And then I have to go into the pine trees because the name of the book is Pawnee Pines. And so like, if you can imagine like a pine tree's roots like growing down, but the whole area is milled for pines that go to Royal Morton's Pine, the, the Marco that's on Pawnee Road. Right. But it's called Pawnee Road and it's all Pawnee Hunting Club. But the pine trees are milled out there and they're just grown and cut, grown and cut. So there's hardly any hardwood that's left. Right. And so we have a few hardwoods that's on our land. And so that's what's drawing a lot of the animals to my land is because a lot of the surrounding area is no longer this true hardwood that Charlie's grandpa and my grandpa and them were working with. Now the trees are pine trees and you're, you seldom will find the hardwoods except along the creeks. Right. When you go down yeah, along the creeks. The, uh, yeah, they used to move the logs along the river to bring them into the mills back in the old days. Yeah. But then I'm talking about the smaller creeks, like behind my land and stuff, like the, a lot of the they couldn't mill. They can't log the deeper creeks. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of the hard woods would end up staying along the creek. Does that make sense? Yeah. What yeah, I'm makes saying? Sense. Yeah. And so then the, all the parts that they'd have with the pine trees would be in lanes. The parts where the big machines can come in easily and, and go out. where Because if you try to, to cut something that's in a creek, you're going to end up risking your equipment. You see what I'm saying? So now that whole thing of all that being gone, all those trees being gone, like that changes the structure. I'm just saying it changes the whole structure of like the animals that's in that area. Because it... Like animals that's dependent on eating a certain type of thing, like a, or a bird that's used to, like if you go and look up this bird's information, right? And it tells you that people that have studied this bird found that this bird nests in this type of tree. But then you don't have any of that type of tree in your area because it's all been cut down to make room to do these pine trees because they're making so much money off of making this stuff out here, right? Right, So yeah, then capitalizing off of the land that belongs to nature. And so now my 40 acres is sitting in the middle of this is like a sanctuary. You see what I'm saying? Because of the big oak trees that we have and the mulberry trees that I'm growing and the apple trees that I have. You see what I'm saying? And so birds of several different species, but then it's not just birds. It's the caterpillars. It's the fish that's in the pond. You know what I'm saying? It's the type of plants. It's the type of trees. What ended up being a, me seeing a project that I was wanting to undertake ended up becoming this huge, this huge thing because I can't let it be less because it would do it less. It's like, what am I trying to do? And it's like, what I'm trying to do is not just tell stories, but bring awareness. You know what I'm saying? There's so many things that we don't think about as a society or as a people about some of these things because we don't have time to go deep enough. But I do. 
You know what I'm saying? I, I got time to go deep enough. And then, so if I can put it in a book, you know what I'm saying, to where you could sit down or somebody's kid could sit down or an old person could sit down and anybody can relate to it because everybody lives amongst animals. You know what I mean? And there's so much that we can learn from them by watching them and then enter like mingling it with our lives and figuring out how we can become better humans by paying attention to them. And it's all in patterns that like ducks migrating. Like I have a whole chapter about these ducks inside here that we can get into in a minute. Do you feel the, yeah, when you brought up the ducks, do you feel the migration patterns have changed in, in over the past 20 years? Well, I don't know about 20 years. I know the last two years I've been paying attention to this one group of ducks. And then I had to look up the lifespan of the ducks because I really, I didn't know that ducks only live for so long. Like I thought that ducks let like, I have a horse named Two Socks, right? <clears throat> give a shout out to my horses real quick. I got Two Socks, Mac and Spirit. Two Socks is 30 human years old, 30 human. I got him when I was like 18, right? And then so like I have him and then Max, nine, and then Spirit's about six or seven. So I look at it like, okay, these animals live in this time period. And then my cows, they live a certain time period. But then I started looking up more information on these mallard ducks. Like, if I'm going to be specific, see, and that's what I got into in the book. Like, say I'm going to go tell a story about these ducks, right? Like how I'm just talking to y'all. If I just say ducks, right, there's so many different yeah, types so of ducks that types. you can, like, imagine right now in your mind. Or I can tell you that there's this water duck that's got a long neck and a long beak that lives out on my pond, and he stretches his wings to dry, and he's actually called, like, a water duck. And you can go and look up his information in the Audubon's Bird Book Society. Like it's a book that has the pictures, the information on them, what region they might be in. And so that's what I do. I'll take a picture of them or I'll look at them and then I'll go and research pictures of these type of birds, right? To try to find something that matches what I saw. Because I can paint, right? I can draw. So I can look at something and I can reproduce that image. You know what I mean? I can reproduce it somehow, or I can take a picture of that motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? If I can't, I'll take a picture. I got a good phone. And so then I'll go and look for that picture. And then once I find that picture, then I go and look up the information on what they say that bird is in that picture. And then I know more about this animal that's on my land. And now I can interact with this animal, not just on what I see from it, but knowledge that I've acquired from somebody else's um, search or research their information that they found because they might have found some like it might be this dude who spent his whole life um researching just this bird the difference is you're applying it for better use to i'm, tr benefit. I'm trying you're, you're to trying to so yeah. it'll benefit you know a lot of uh what i'm hearing is just you know the benefits that the animals get from having natural land that's left to you know for the animal to thrive, it needs resources. Right. It needs like clean water. It needs like yeah. You know, pasture that's what they're to doing. graze. If it wasn't for my pond, my my what the water that goes through my land. See, there was creeks coming through my land originally when I went back and researched the land. And my father and my grandfather used bulldozers, and they they widened the creeks out, and made ponds with levee systems. 
And so then it goes out a pipe on the other side, like a scale. When the pond gets so big on one side, then it goes out the other until they become even on both sides, like a scale. So that's how the levee system works. So they built that, and now our ponds collect so much water. What I did a couple years ago is I added like a foot and a half to make the pond bigger, made the pond bigger. And so now that the pond's bigger, the animals, the cows, uh, they can have more water to drink from, the fish's environment's more. The birds now have more access to be able to drink from. Like I just started uh, feeding these deer that live on the property because the deer are hunted like, now look, my friend Jesse, he likes to cook deer. You know what I'm saying? And I'll eat deer, and I ain't got no problem with people to hunt. My whole family hunts. I hunt. You know, like, I believe in culling older animals like or male animals. Like, I have chickens, right? Well, sometimes, you know, you got to call some roosters, get yeah. some roosters out of there because you don't want too many roosters per hens. You get too many roosters, what happens? Oh, they go yeah. to fight. And- hey, yeah, they yeah. fuck each yeah, other up. Y'all ain't even put me I'm telling you, I got something that will fuck each other My up. My dad just uh, hatched uh, 18 of them here recently, and he was, like, showing me the little bitties, right? And he has, like, some turduckins and the ones that make the different color eggs, the blue eggs and stuff. Yeah. And I was picking them up, and it's just like old times, I was like, oh, you're so cute. Sure hope you ain't a rooster. Mm. Put it back down, picked up another one. I was like, man, this is a nice color one. Sure hope you ain't a rooster because you can keep as many hens as you want. The chicken yard is only ruled by one rooster and one rooster alone. So the other ones, oh, it's fair it, game. you got to harvest them. Yeah. So I got uh, free range, all my free range. But uh, I've been going through this mental dilemma on whether I should put them in a coop or not because – I have the material to build the coop, and I know where I want to put it. But the thing is, I have this owl and this this chicken hawk, this hawk that live on my land. And this hawk will come and kill a chicken sometimes. And so it's like I was look, I was raised by, like, you. I mean, it's illegal to kill a hawk. You're not supposed to kill a hawk already, right? right? right. But then you're supposed to protect your animals and stuff like yeah. that. You, you know what I mean? So— but now I was thinking about it one day. I was like, man, why is this chicken hawk killing my root, killing my chickens? You know what I'm saying? And it's like, okay, he's killing the chickens because he's hungry, right? I'm right. out here feeding these other these other animals. I'm feeding these other animals. Well, this this animal is flying around in the sky. We just don't hardly see him, but I started trying to listen for him, right? And you can hear him. Every now and then you hear him like a hawk. I don't know if y'all know what a hawk sounds like, but it's got a Specific, like yeah, a, it's like a, a screech, oh, but, like yeah. a like a kind of like a call or whatever. Yeah, it's like a call. Yeah, and, and it so echoes, you yeah. hear this animal. It's like I know that's not the woodpecker. I know that's not Waldo because I know what Waldo sounds like. Right. Because I took the time to to watch and listen to Waldo, and so now I know what Waldo sounds like. It's like whenever the chickens make a certain noise, I know what a female chicken noise, and I know what a male. Chicken noise. I know whenever there's a snake by a group of chickens, these chickens going crazy. And it's not like like a feed me or, or like a type of noise. It's a there's a fucking thing about to eat. Yeah, you me. can hear the panic in their voice. Like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like help. yeah, help me. Like them chickens going crazy. It's and, like early I took my daughter uh, swimming and uh, my brother, he got some guineas. 
Well, you know, the guineas, like, they run around. Some of them be biting at each other's legs and stuff. Well, they all get in a group. I got guineas. Yeah, so they all get in a group, and then they just start chatting. It just sounds like a bunch of people just having a loud conversation. (laughs) And um, my brother's wife, he went to shout at the guineas, like, hey, cut that out. It's like they just all looked at her at the same time. And one of them just spoke, and then they all just walked off and did their own thing, just started feeding again. Because. Every cowboy hat that I have has a guinea feather in it because my love for guineas. And me and JP have had plenty of conversations about guineas. <laughs> guineas, because I'm telling you, those are, I, if I had a choice to get rid of the chickens and the guineas, I'd keep the guineas and get rid of the chickens because they are such good alarm dogs and pay attention to, like, every single thing. They pay attention to it no matter what's going on. And so it's like they're, another, they're just another, like, part of what plays and also when I worked on the, the marijuana farm in Colorado, I went and worked on a marijuana farm for like four months. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I learned an awful lot of about marijuana on that farm. And not just about marijuana, but then I I learned a lot about plants and um they had me read this book called True Living Organics. So if anybody wants to check that out on iBooks or something like that, you can learn a whole lot about true living organics. It's basically about how everything's alive. And so you could take the principles that you learn from it about phosphorus and about potassium and about nitrogen and all these elements, right? Because we would make a tea and give that tea to the plants as like this is how the plants take it in because if you just put dry minerals on these plant roots they don't take it in it's the water when it's the water it makes it soluble it's like that's whenever they start taking the minerals in when you mix the minerals with the water right and you get it at a certain ph level but guess what they had on the farm Guineas. (laughs) (laughs) Guineas. <laughs> <laughs> look, bro, I'm telling you, look, they said part of your job is going to be to take care of these turkeys and these guineas. And I had turkeys and guineas yeah, at guineas my house. guineas eat parasites. That's right. It. And so the weed, they would bring in like a whole trailer of like 100, <laughs> 100 guineas, bro. Got out this trailer. And he's like, they're going to eat all the insects in here and we're not going to have to spray anything, any kind of pesticide. So they wouldn't spray any pesticide at all on the farm, the That's guineas. Good. That's good. It's yeah. organic. Yeah, and so organic you knew that you this it. weed that you were getting, kind of like, well, I don't know if people knew that, but they should have known. You know what I'm saying? They should have known that the guineas are out there eating the bugs off the, the marijuana plants. So, um, yeah, guineas are, are one of my favorite creatures. Ain't guineas, uh, I swore that I heard a story about, like, if it rains, guineas are drowners at turkeys. Turkeys. And turkeys, huh? Yeah, it's because it's like the jive turkey type of thing. Turkeys <laughs> are stupid, bro. It's like they're one of the dumbest animals that I know. It's they, they live off of like hormones, basically, I think. It's like the dudes be all up on you. <laughs> the, 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 the females, they just will go get on a tree limb and sit there and... Sit there. And so it's like the turkeys are mad at the rain. Like, what are you doing? Unless you provide them cover. But uh, a lot of people think cows are stupid. But I found that the cows are some of the most intelligent creatures. And they can even sense whenever storms coming and stuff. Like, they'll go to a certain part of the land where they won't get hit by the wind or the rain a certain way. Yeah. You know, they adapt to their environment and stuff. 
So it's amazing, like just the the depth that you can go into, like in the book. And again, the name of the, my, my book, and it's going to be coming out toward the end of the year, is Pawnee Pines. Pawnee Pines. And basically, it's me living with these wild animals and telling it from a, a point of view of being alongside them. And then uh, it'll have the scientific information about the animal. It'll have my short stories or the poems. And... Um, and then it'll have my journal entries along with the, the actual pages. You know, so I'm going to try to get it to where there's the pages, but then you have all my journal entries that are handwritten in there too. Because sometimes just that feeling of reading like a handwritten journal makes you feel like that you're, you're reading some like something personally. like 1873. Yeah, I feel it's personally connected and it captures a moment from the writers. Writer, yeah. I just yeah. read a book like uh, Patriarchy Blues. Okay. Yeah, and the guy and at, like towards the end of the book he had like journal entries and all that stuff. Just, just some uh, introspective about himself. It, it, and, uh, it almost connects you like as a person because uh, a lot of times people have tried to, to journal or that they have thought about journaling or at some point or another they sat down and wrote something to themselves. You know what I mean? And I've so, done it. <laughs> yeah. And so it's basically just taking that to a whole nother level and providing and knowing that everything I put in here is going to be put on there. But it's like, I want to tell it from this view and give people the ability to see it from this way um, so that they can connect like as a, as a reader and as a person, because like I said, everybody has had an animal. And everybody has tried to write something or, or journal something. And one of the things that has inspired me to do this, I know it's going to sound crazy, but I've always learned a whole lot from video games, right? So, like, uh, I used to learn a lot of sports rules from sports games. You play a sports game. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to learn the rules of that sports game if you play it enough. Like FIFA, you ha could find somebody that's never played an actual game of soccer like or, or a match of soccer in their life or football, right? Right. But then you, you put them on, games. they know what offsides is on FIFA, and you know what I mean? Because they've played it so many times that they learned the rule, right? So um, Fallout 4 and Red Dead Redemption – Right. Fallout four. Right. Because of the workbenches. It's like you have a workbench for everything. Like basically like we're living in a fallout. Like we don't know about these mass extinctions that some of the smartest people around be talking about. You know, it's like you can go that uh, Neil Strauss. uh you know, the scientific guy that be talking about oh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, yes, Tyson. yes, yes. Neil deGrasse Tyson, that guy, right? So they talk about stuff about um, like mass extinctions and how our planet has went through like so many mass extinctions. Right, yeah, through real. So, so this stuff. game, Fallout 4, right, this video game with the Pip-Boy and you got on your wrist, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you I've go around it. and find the little bobbleheads where, mm -hmm. you know, so that game t taught me so much about workbenches and like actually living in this like world where you have to connect this wire to this light right here. You know, like we grow up and it's like all this stuff that we have is already made, but we don't understand how it's made or where it comes from. Right. And everything and being part of it and how it all flows together. Right. And I learned a lot about that in the military, which we'll get into a little while. When we start talking military stuff. 
but about frequencies and radios and receivers and transmitters and stuff like that and yeah, how I got electricity some stuff on that as well. Yeah, how electricity flows. But Fallout 4 Fallout 4 fucked me up with the workbenches on in each area. It's like, say you got a garden. You need a workbench in that garden. That's your garden workbench. You got a little place to work on your motorcycles for your Fallout motorcycle that's going to be your end of times motorcycle. Yeah. You know, you need a workbench inside there. It's like, no matter what you do, it's like, say you're going to have a bar. Well, the, the bar ends up becoming the workbench where you serve the drinks. You know what I'm saying? So no matter where you are, you got to have some type of workbench for you as a creator. To create, yeah, create tools. Yeah, and then if you're going to create, then you get into the tools of that trade that you need to create. Like, I got into making swords, right? I make swords, and some of my friends make knives. I have a double-barrel forge and an anvil, and I make these short swords, and I put golf handles on them. Because you can swing a golf club 115 miles an hour. So why wouldn't you want to swing a sword that fast? So it's like I start putting these golf handles, right? <laughs> That's a good point. And so uh, I don't do it all the time because I only made like four of them because I sat there and beat out the metal or whatever at oh, yeah, my little workbench. It takes work time bench. to forge metal. Like if you yeah. want to do like a good, like a yeah. good job, yeah. Yeah, because you, you don't want it to look fucked them, up. You know what I'm saying? You don't want it to look bad. Right. And especially when you got friends that are making these immaculate knives that have like bone handles with inlays of like epoxy of different colors and shit. You want it to look nice. So um, I, you know, I do that on my workbench to Fallout 4 had me on, you know what I'm saying? It inspired me on. But then Red Dead, it's like this dude on Red Dead, on this game, y'all, the rock star makes. Oh, John Marston. <laughs> no, not John Marston, um, Arthur Morgan. And like before John Marston, he's got this journal, right? Well, in the journal, you walk around and you keep track of all the stuff that you find, all the animals, all the plants and everything is called a compendium, Right. Well, I'm out here on my land doing something with my horse, right? And then I, I'm just finished playing this game, and I'm like, "Oh, look at that! I need to, I need to write that down in my journal, like uh, Arthur Morgan on Red Dead, <laughs> you know." And I'm like, "Oh, what's that called?" And I went and turned the game on, and went and looked in the little settings of what this book is called that he's writing all this stuff down. It's called a compendium. I went and looked up that word, figured out what it meant, and was like, that's what I'm doing. I'm making a compendium of all the animals that's on my land, and then I'm going to tell the story of how I met them and their their life story or what they how they influenced me or what they taught me. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to tell their story because I'm the only one that witnessed them living. Right. Now they're gone. Like, you, you can't tell their story. You know what I'm saying? You didn't know them like I knew them. Even if you met them one time, you still, it's just like you could, you I couldn't only, tell your animal story. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, you're, you're existing with them. It's like for a visitor to come by, that's just like a coexistence or a passing by. Yeah, like you a know, hey, how cap- you doing? Yeah, it's just like a hey and a bye. Yeah, basically. Not an everyday thing. Like if you got a cat or a dog that spends every waking moment with you, that's that's like people will literally like entomb their, their animals in cement or whatever to keep them forever. Or they'll get like a... a a painting of their animal or a tattoo. I know lots of guys that have like dog tattoos and stuff like that that's on them from an animal that meant something to them at some point in their life. So Red Dead and Fallout 4, those two, those two video games are really like what inspired me to start 
like doing it. Plus, all my friends like are really courageous people that like uh, are putting themselves out there for their for their art. And some of them are musicians. Some of them are like do podcasts. Some of them do uh, art or some of them do murals. But it's like they're putting themselves out there. And so whenever you have a group of friends that are all creators and you know what I mean? Like everybody's creating and it's not just talking about it. So when we all get together, like out at the hardwood at Fed Devoid, we start working on something. It's like we're all creators, but then we're also doers. And we fall in of what we're great at at that point to be able to create and make something. Like we just been working out there on the bar for the um, stage, the Tiki's bar. Yeah. And uh, I know that Jesse Jones, shout out to Jesse Jones and Rick Jones. Y'all secretly like they're. They're the uh, the backbone, I'd say, of the the ground crew of getting stuff done out there. Rick's constantly the out stills. there. Yeah, basically. They're consistent, bro. I give them that. And then uh Jesse did all the groundwork for the for the bar. Kyle paid for a lot of money. Shout out to Kyle, the Iceman himself, triple backflip, Kyle. But yeah, Kyle paid for most of it. And then Kyle came through with Charlie. And then whenever Charlie and me and Kyle and then Kennedy came to and Bill was out there, we went to my house and got uh, some of the, the old red uh, tin to put on the backside after they got most of the frame up. But um, if you ain't bought tickets yet, make sure y'all buy tickets to Fed the Boy 2023, uh, September the 30th and 31st this year so yeah and so like uh i don't i don't do a lot of the front type of, of work out there and i don't i don't like put myself out there a lot but i know that that uh people like um like jesse and kyle and charlie and uh, and donnie came through with the 10 and then josh townley had helped with you on the stage at um remember when you came out there and helped oh, with the yeah. stage on avon's yeah yeah it's like so Did a lot of work on so, that so, so what i'm saying oh, is a communal like a communal effort like when everybody starts putting in and so you have all these great minds and great talented people in each of their own areas so like charlie is awesome at playing drums and bass but that's not all he can do you, you know what I'm saying? It's like Charlie is a great carpenter, and he can also sing really good. Right. But he doesn't, like, those aren't, like, the forefront of what he does is because people know him as this other stuff. Yeah, I know. I, I remember Murray back in the day skateboarding. So yeah, that's like, he's thing. good at, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Like, he's really good at balancing. <laughs> like, I've seen him on one of those tightrope things. You know what I'm talking about? Like, when you stretch like a rope really tight between two mm -hmm. trees. Yeah. I'm talking about like some acrobatic shit, like yeah, at the circle. No, I'm telling you, we know what we need to set up next time I go out there. A tightrope, I want to see if he can walk across Bro, it. I'm telling you, he can't, he cannot just walk. I bet he can flip off of it. But what I'm saying is, is that like you, like this, what I'm talking about with my book and stuff, like this is just one area. Like this is just one of the things, and so like that's like a that's like a, a door we just walked into. You know what I mean? Like whenever you st we started the podcast, we was already in that room. Yeah, you know what I'm saying of the the writing and all that. And so then like when you come out of that room and close that door, it's like now we're in the hallway of all these different doors we can go into uh, that I go into on the regular. 
You know what I'm saying? But then you start talking to Kyle and, or Charlie or, you know what I'm saying? Like you start talking to all these, or Hunter, you know what I mean? All these different people, like they all have these other areas of their life that uh, a lot of people don't even know about because they're known for this one area. But they're fucking awesome at all these areas in life. Yeah, each yeah. interaction opens a new door to each aspect. Usually whenever you find successful people, like, they're not just good at one thing. Like Tom Brady, I bet you he's fucking good at golf <laughs> and, and tennis. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? We're going to find out about sportscasting this year. <laughs> hey, Tony, Romo was a better sportscaster than a quarterback. Oh, shit. Check out Third Coast Podcast on all major streaming platforms. This has been episode 188. And 198? No, 198. Oh, you missing up the numbers. <laughs> uh, one, 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 one,